but in the in the community around us. Um, I was reminded of that uh, afresh yesterday, as uh, in my role as a chaplain at the, the local football club, and uh, all kinds of uh, uh, all kinds of uh, engagement with uh, people in different spaces and places. And uh, speaking of uh, chaplains, uh, we um, yeah we have a, another chaplaincy opportunity emerging in in the local community. Which uh, so watch this space. Uh, the one one of our congregation is going is uh, going to step into a, a local another local community chaplaincy role, and so we're encouraged and excited about that. And uh, once that's uh, official, we'll be able to uh, uh, tell you all about that as well, and uh, make sure that you're praying for uh, for for them. Well, last Sunday we began a series here, though, on encountering Jesus beyond Easter. Uh, not just encountering Jesus in, uh, in, in, in these spaces and in these walls, but encountering Jesus in all kinds of places and spaces. There's often a real focus, as we said last week, on the lead into Easter, uh, what's known as the Lent season, and of course on, on, the, on the Easter weekend itself. But what about when Easter has come and gone, as we said last week? Well, we're looking at, at what happened in the, in the hours and days beyond Jesus' appearance that first Easter Sunday morning, as Jesus' followers encountered him in different spaces and different places, and uh, how we can too. And last week we looked at how we, uh, uh, how we can encounter Jesus at the place of being downcast. Today we're looking at how we can encounter Jesus at the place of fear. Two things stand out in the reading that, that Dorothy read to us about, uh, about this appearance of Jesus to his first disciples. On the one hand, what stands out is the reality of fear. But on the other hand, what also stands out is the response of Jesus. Let's start with the reality of fear. Verse, uh, verse 19, the first part of that verse says, On the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked, not just were they together and, and hiding, but they had the doors locked. The doors were locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. Fear is a very real human emotion. It was for these first followers of Jesus. Jesus had risen. And so you might say, well, shouldn't they be celebrating that? Shouldn't they be, uh, uh, shouldn't they be uh, just, just excited and celebrating? But they're fearful. That was their reality. Uh, they, they were filled with fear. They were fearful of the Jews who had put Jesus to death. And so as his followers, they too felt under threat. Yes, Jesus had risen from the dead, but that hadn't registered with them. For these followers of Jesus who instead found themselves at the place of fear. What brings you or I, I wonder, to the place of fear? I uh, did a little bit, little bit of research uh, during the week ahead. Uh, according to Baptist Health, of all things, <laughs> some common fears that people can have according to Baptist Health and, and the Baptist Health, maybe it's a bit like BapCare, it's an American Baptist Health site, describes the most common fears that uh, Baptists or, <laughs> or people generally uh, have. Uh, well, number one, acrophobia, which is a fear of what? Does anyone know? Acrophobia? Heights, fear of heights, acrophobia. These are the scientific terms. Some of them I don't even recognise, but we'll go through the number two. Now, this one might be a bit more obvious, aerophobia. Flying, the fear of flying. Number three, 
someone who shall not be named in our home has this, arachnophobia. (laughs) Then there's, now I've never heard of this one before, but but, uh, videophobia, videophobia, not videophobia, not a fear of videos, but videophobia. All good try. It's actually... So that nobody, nobody would get on too well in our house if, uh, if they had this, the fear of dogs. How about this one? Trypanophobia. Trypanophobia. It was good I didn't have that this week when I went for to have a little something in the arm. <laughs> yeah, fear of injections. <laughs> when I got my flu shot earlier this week. Uh, then there's astrophobia. Fear of thunder or lightning. There's agoraphobia. Agoraphobia, someone uh, touched on it uh, earlier on the first one. Fear of, fear of being trapped somewhere. Fear, fear of um, uh, mysophobia. It's not a fear of mice. Fear of germs and dirt. Wanting to be super clean. And then finally, there's social phobias and public speaking phobias and all kinds of other ones. You may or may not be able to relate to any of those fears. But as followers of Jesus, fear can arise in other ways, just like it did for these first followers of Jesus. You might be fearful of, uh, of, of sharing your faith with somebody. You might be fearful of, uh, of, of standing up and being identified as a follower of Jesus. That, that was the reality for these first followers of Jesus. You might, be, you might have a fear of, of engaging with and, and uh, engaging with people around us who might have very different worldviews and might have very different ways of living. There could be fears over what God might think of you and about your future, insecure, a, a sense of how could God accept me or about your future as a follower of Jesus or fears over the fragile and uncertain nature of the life situation you face. What did these first disciples of Jesus do when they were at the place of fear? It says they locked their doors. They locked their doors. Why did they do that? Well, they locked their doors to protect themselves and to give themselves some sense of security. And we can do the same. We lock our doors in our homes, perhaps. But the question is, what about in our hearts? Do we lock our doors in, in, in our hearts? Because fear can cause us to do that. Fear can cause us, like these first disciples, to hide behind walls around our hearts to others, around our hearts to the the world around us, and even to Jesus himself. That's why the Bible addresses fear so much. God calls us not to stay at the place of fear, but instead to allow Jesus to respond to us at the place of fear. On the one hand, the reality of fear, but on the other hand, the response of Jesus. How does Jesus respond? Well, Jesus simply shows up. (laughs) It's as simple as that. Verse 19, they were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders and Jesus came and stood among them. Jesus just showed up. Locked doors didn't stop Jesus from showing up and meeting them where they were at, meeting them even at the place of fear. Jesus still shows up in your life and in my life too. He, he, he responds to our fears no matter what place we might find ourselves at. He doesn't wait until we've got our act together. 
He doesn't wait until, we, until we've got more faith. No, he meets us right where we're at, even in the place of fear. But Jesus does more than show up. He also speaks. And, and what does he say? Well, it says here, verse 19, and it says it again in verse 21, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Peace be with you. What's the significance of this? We looked at the significance of Jesus' last words leading into Easter. These were his first words to hear to his fearful followers. Peace be with you. And the word for peace here is the word shalom from the Hebrew word shalom, which, which is all about someone's well-being in, in every sense. And you need to remember that these disciples, the last time they saw Jesus, they had deserted him. They had denied him, some of them. And yet his first words to them weren't, what were you thinking? What were you doing? His first words to them weren't words of condemnation or judgment. His first words were, peace be with you. Assuring and reassuring his followers of his love for them, despite all that they had not been. Jesus' response to fear is to bring a sense of shalom, peace. Yes, there is much to be troubled by in our lives in this world as followers of Jesus. But as, as we look at what Jesus says earlier in, in John, John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus says, Peace I, give, I leave you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And then fast forward a, a few chapters into John chapter 16. John 16 Verse 33, I have told you these things so that in, in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. He doesn't say if, if you will have trouble. He says you will have trouble. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. The world, the world and, and life and faith in this world that we live in gives us plenty of reasons to fear. But Jesus says take heart. I have overcome the world and you as my followers can gain courage or be encouraged by that and the peace that I bring no matter what. Jesus responds to fear by showing up, by speaking words of peace, but also by showing something. Verse 20, after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. What was the significance of this? Well, Jesus was showing them his hands and his side. His hands and his side uh, was, was showing them that it was he. He was crucified. They could see the, the scars and the wounds there, that he was crucified, but that he was now risen. And in this encounter, they saw this for themselves. And it says that as they saw that, their fear shifted to joy. Amazing transformation. Jesus showing up. Jesus speaking words of peace. And, and, and then Jesus showing himself not only as the crucified saviour, but as the risen Lord. And there's one, one final important aspect of Jesus' response in this reading this morning, in, the, in verse 21 to 23, which uh, speaks of, um, uh, as I read those verses to you, Jesus said, Peace be with you as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. With that he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. What is Jesus doing here? He's sending his followers out. 
He's reassured them. He's, he's given them a sense of his peace. He's given them courage. He's, uh, he, he's, he's shown them who he really is, revealed himself to them. And now he's sending them out. They're there behind locked doors and, and he doesn't want them to stay behind locked doors. He wants them to go out and to carry on the work that he began. And it's the same with us today. Still today as Jesus' followers, we are sent out beyond the place of fear to show and to share the good news of Jesus. 2 Corinthians uh, in chapter 5 puts it like this. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says that uh, we are therefore God, Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. That's amazing. We are ordinary people. We are people like, like these first followers of Jesus who deserted and denied Jesus, who, who were far from what they could have been, and yet Jesus empowered them to carry on his work. The mission of God in the hands of ordinary people, and it's still the same today with you and I. Despite our fear, God chooses to use us to be his ambassadors. God's spirit is, is the one who is able to work in us and through us. And that's what verse 22 speaks of when it says in, in verse 22, uh, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And then it says with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. We can't do that in and of ourselves. But as, as the Spirit of God works in us and through us, we are able to, carry, to be who God has called us to be, to move out beyond our locked doors, so to speak, and engage with and witness to others around us. Right back in Genesis, in the, in the start of the Bible, the very few, first few verses, it describes how the Spirit of God was active in creation, hovering over the earth. And the Spirit of God is still active and, and in the new creation, in the lives of us as God's new creation. We are God's new creation. And that's the significance of, here of, of uh, uh, where it says about um, uh, br- Jesus breathing on them and saying, receive the Holy Spirit. He, he, he is empowering them as, as God's new creation to carry on his work of recreating. God is able to bring, uh, God through Jesus and the work of his spirit, able to bring faith beyond fear, courage beyond being crippled by fear, just as took place with these first disciples. What about you and I? We are sent to be a part of God's redeeming and restoring work in exactly the same way. Verse 23, some people wonder, what on earth is that? How can that be? Where it says, if you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. What, what is this referring to? It can be tricky to, uh, to, to understand. Surely only Jesus can forgive people's sins. What you need to understand is that in the Gospel of John, um, uh, Jesus links continually sin with unbelief. And so here in the context, Jesus isn't saying that we can actually literally forgive people's sins, but that as we live out our calling as God's people, we actually play a part in moving, in, in helping people to shift from unbelief to belief, from being trapped in their sin to being set free in and through the risen Jesus. What an amazing thing. What an amazing thing it is to encounter Jesus at, the play, at any place, but especially at the place of fear. What an amazing thing to receive Jesus' peace. 
What an amazing thing to, in the power of the Spirit, move out beyond our walls to bear witness boldly to the risen Jesus. But what an amazing thing also to know that others too, through the part that we play, can encounter Jesus as well. That's our vision as God's people here, for people to find and to follow Jesus, for us to encounter Jesus even at the place of fear and to follow Jesus in the way that he calls us to. We can be cautious, we can be fearful, but Jesus calls us to open up our hearts, to step out beyond the locked doors of, beyond the locked doors of our, our, our room or the locked doors of our hearts and to engage with people anywhere and everywhere with his good news. Let's pray as we come before uh, God afresh and uh, commit ourselves to what he calls us to. I want to invite you to just sit with the responses of Jesus today for a few moments. Just sit with Jesus' response. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Do you think about your fears? Do you think about your life and faith situation and whatever it looks like? Let those words echo in your mind and heart. Those words of shalom and of well-being and allow the gift of God's peace to really resonate in your life, in your heart, in your mind. Peace be with you. Just allow that to to sit and, and, and to soak it in for a few moments. And then I ask, what walls might you be hiding behind? Not literally, not literally necessarily, but the walls of your heart. Are you hiding behind the fear of vulnerability? The fear of others? The fear of the future? The fear of what's happening in the world or in your world? The fear of moving out to engage with others very different to you? The fear of witnessing to others as opportunities arise? What walls might you be hiding behind? Jesus invites us to take heart and to take courage. He shows us his hands and his feet. Not only the crucified saviour, but the risen Lord. And he empowers you with his spirit. Calls us and sends us to be his hands and feet to all those around us, to carry on his kingdom work, to transform us from being cautious and fearful to being carriers of the good news of Jesus. In what ways today might you need to take heart or take courage? Or to take up Jesus' call to carry on his kingdom work, to be his hands and his feet.
to not allow fear to get in the way of that. That instead, to allow the Spirit of God to work in you and through you. Lord Jesus, this was life-changing for these first followers of you. And these are life-changing things, can be life-changing things for us even thousands of years later. We pray that by your Spirit you would work afresh, breathe afresh on, on us so that we would be and do what you call us to be and do as your followers in this world, in these times that we live in. And we ask this in and through the wonderful, life-giving, but also all-powerful name of Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen.